Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Barrier, and I'm here with Derek. Is it Cormier? Cormier. Cormier. Damn. Well, you're not the first person. Uh, <laughs> What's up, Derek? How are you? Good. How you doing? Good, man. Derek, you got a pretty fascinating story, and I'm really excited for you to get into that today. I'm just curious if you could just tell everybody a little bit about your company's name and, and where you are and all that good stuff. So everybody knows who we're talking to. Yes. My name is Climate Experts. We are in Melbourne, Florida. That's in central Florida. Do HVAC right now. I actually just got my plumbing license. So we'll be adding on plumbing. So just went through a rebrand. So we're going to be Climate Experts, air plumbing and electric. Sweet. So you're doing electric now or is that something else you're adding on? Yeah. We're, I mean, we're doing uh, small stuff we don't need permitting for, but we're adding that on as well. So I'll be getting that license myself also. Awesome. And uh, all right. So let's, uh, let's, uh, you're not too far from Cape Canaveral, right? Nope. Yeah, we're right. We're, we service Cape Canaveral. So you now where all the rockets go off, you know, we SpaceX, you know, we service that whole area, Space Coast. That's why it's called the Space Coast was what, where we service, uh, you know, Kelly Slater's from here, Cocoa Beach. So we're about an hour from Orlando, Disney World. So we're, we're in a great location. I would say so. I don't know if it's because of Disney World, but you know, I love that place, but damn, they've kind of met sideways, haven't they? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I'd say so. God. I think I heard a figure the other day, maybe yesterday, that they, it was like 800 and some, I think it was 800 and some million dollars they've lost. I, and I can only speculate why, but dude, like they've just, it's just different. It's just different than what I thought it was. Very different. 100%. Yeah. You think it's always been that way? I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I've noticed it go downhill. I mean, because like, I'm from this area. They just have been downgrading, you know, everything about, the you know, like the fast pass system used to be really good. I mean, that was a, you know, their season pass holders that used to take care of them, kind of like maintenance members, right? Like they did a great right. job taking care of season pass holders and then getting a good fast pass system. Because that's what you do. It was same with the maintenance plan, right? You want to go in the maintenance plan because you want fast service, right? You want right. to pay more. It's like a, a platinum member, like the Delta Platinum. Like, like, man, you're a special member to them. And like, I think that's where Disney fucked up. Like, they're not taking care of, like, they're just like new customer and they fucked the whole system up. Like, get better and charge more. So when people go there, it's a one-of-a-kind experience, not some like, shitty thing that everyone could, can go to. That's right. Well, that's actually not. I I didn't know that much of that part of it. I was thinking more along the the politics side of it. I mean, the I you know just some weird shit has come out, and we don't have to get into that. But like, just some weird shit's come out, and like you know, it's kind of hard not to look at. I'll be honest with you. 
All right, dude. So tell me, you started uh, you started your company what, around two, 2016, something like that. That's kind of where this thing started. Let's let's just start there. Yeah, so I started this company in 2016, you know, by myself, single truck. Uh, you know, my dad's from the general contracting side. So, you know, I noticed it was difficult for him to get business. People weren't really doing remodels as much. So I said to him, hey, this is a trade. It's a specialty trade. People always need AC in Florida. It's mostly 90 degrees here, you know, but... 60% of the year, so we got, you know, some of the highest humidity, you know, in the United States. So I said to him, hey, you know, why don't you get into this specialty trade with me? We'll start this thing out 50-50. And uh, I started taking calls off of Craigslist, you know, $29 service calls, um, just like our own vehicles. And uh, you know, as we started growing it, I brought my brother on to work with us and uh, my cousin. And, uh, you know, we kept it pretty tight. We kept it family. And, uh, you know, up until about 2019, everything was going, you know, pretty well, <laughs> other than some uh, issues with uh, 50-50 ownership, which I'd never recommend anybody, right. doing, especially with family, <laughs> especially with family. Yeah. I don't recommend working in any business owner structure with family, and I don't recommend you ever go into a 50-50 partnership. 49-51, someone has decision-making capabilities, because anytime we came to a big decision, it was an argument, and we didn't move forward. And then I you would couldn't, have, right? No, and then I would just then force it forward, which then we get the results, and then he'd be like, Oh, yeah, I knew we should have done that, even though he fought <laughs> the whole way. It's just a bad business move to do 50-50 in any aspect. Someone's gonna have to have the total decision making power, or your business will not grow and move forward, or it's gonna have a hard time growing and moving forward. Up until 2019, we came to a point where it wasn't working out with me and my dad. He wasn't looking to do the same things I was. I wanted to build a business that ran itself. Something that was branded. You know, what is branding? You know, everyone could see us, you know, every, everywhere throughout the state. You know, our branding that I made, I actually made it myself. It's this big, strong Jack Penguin on this giant blue van. His name's Chili, too. So you could see us <laughs> from away our vans. Like, the only color, this huge Jack Penguin on it, right? Like, it's, 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 it's he's our mascot. And, you know, my dad wanted the other side of business, which a lot of contractors want, right? You, you own this white van that's not branded so you can hide. You don't have to pull permits. Spend as least amount of money, right? Do all the work yourself because you can't trust anybody else. You want to make as much money as you can, right? Get cash as much as you want so you can hide from the IRS. So that's the side that my dad wanted to run it because that's what he was comfortable with because he didn't trust people. He didn't trust employees. He didn't trust customers. And he was always just in it for himself. And I knew that wasn't sustainable because I would have to be in the field my entire life like he's been, and I would not grow up around my family. I had two little kids at that time, my wife, and I honestly don't think that's success if you're making a ton of money, but you can't spend it with your family and nothing's meaningful at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. 2019, we had a serious talk. We sat down. I told him that I can't do it anymore, and I restarted the business, got rid of everybody. My cousin, my brother started again myself, January 2019. And from there, regrew it the way that I wanted it to. Within the first year, we went from 300 grand the previous year in revenue to a million. And then we doubled every year since then. And this year, we're looking to do 6.5 million um, in residential HVAC only. And you know, we've doubled in growth in revenue every single year while maintaining at least double digit profit. We try to maintain around 10% profit minimum you know, throughout that time. Did you have any experience going into this in 2016? I mean, did you did you said your dad had had a remodeling slash contractor? Did you go into this because you had experience like with him growing up, or how how did that work? Yes, you know, 
growing up with a dad owning a contracting business, you know, every summer from 10 years old, I worked, you know, my summers with him on construction jobs, framing, doing tile work, electrical. I mean, I could build a whole house from the ground up. I know how to do it all. Unfortunately, I do all of my own work in my own house. Uh, I have <laughs> to, you know, at 19, uh, after I graduated high school, I started running crews for him. The hurricanes just killed us over here on the East Coast during that time back uh, 2004, 2005. So I ran some crews for him. They wanted me to kind of get into management and help run that company business. I ran from that. I didn't want anything to do with that. I became a police officer in uh, South Florida, Hollywood, Florida. I was a cop there for five years. So I uh, saw some serious shit. I was right between Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Street cop there. I got to like, tell me, just tell me some of the something that you saw. Give me an idea. Just paint a picture of some of the craziest shit that you saw. But I can't even imagine. I mean, every day I was pulling my gun out, you know, this was a dangerous area. I mean, you know, you had streets where, you know, you had multi-million dollar homes on one side, the other side's motels, crack, you know, prostitutes. It just, you know, and that's where I worked the east side of Hollywood. And, you know, typical day, you know, I always had an arrest, you know, a lot of drugs. Around that time, everyone was big into the oxycodone. So Mm -hmm. all all the people from like up north, like Minnesota, would drive down to the pain clinics in Hollywood. And they would shop because they can go to multiple pain clinics to just keep getting oxys. And then they go back up north and sell them for a ton of money. So like it was just rampant with like drug dealers and oxycodone. And it was huge. And because of the pain clinics, you didn't have to go to a doctor. You can just keep going to pain clinics. So a lot of drugs, a lot of, you know, uh, crime there. You know, I had a scenario where there was a carjacking and I fortunately never had to shoot anybody. Um, But the closest time I had to shoot somebody was um, a carjacking where it was tourists on vacation from Canada. And um, it was middle of the night, like, you know, 1 a.m. And, um, you know, call got put into dispatch. I show up on the job. Um, One of the doors is open. I see this older gentleman getting kicked out of the passenger seat onto the middle of the street. I come around the passenger side where there's this female and he's trying to rip the purse out of her hand while he's in the car. I have my gun drawn. I pull her out of the car. He comes out, grabs my gun. And then we're wrestling on the floor as he's got my gun. I'm on top of him. And he's trying to take my gun. And I'm literally at the point ready to shoot him in the head. And I've got families. Even though this is 1 a.m. Because this was a loud thing. This isn't a pretty busy area. So people are starting to come out while they were sleeping. And i got families on the side of the road watching this happening. And luckily, I was able to wrestle my gun back from him and just start beating him up till I can get him in handcuffs. But the guy was on drugs. He didn't feel a thing. I had cop after cop and we had like linebacker cops. We had guys that were like NFL football player type cops coming up here, trying to get this guy in custody and hitting him and trying to get him in handcuffs. And he just was laughing at the pain. Taser laughing at it. Like it was a joke to him. So like from afar, if you watch this, it looked like police brutality, but this guy's trying to take the, take our guns. He's trying to fight us. He's not getting in handcuffs you know, ended up taking him to custody. And the next day, you know, he was a mess. But that day, he didn't feel a thing because he was on drugs. But, you know, I what had was to- he on? Do you know? PCP. I knew it. I knew it. I don't know anything about PCP. But I've back from back in the day, I would hear these stories about people getting shot four or five times and they keep walking. And what is pH? What is that? PCP? I think it's an amphetamine. It's like a powder. And I think it's speed a little bit. It's just I think it amps up your adrenaline levels to where you just don't feel anything. Your body's just like a train. <laughs> so, this, I mean, it's not a common drug that you see people take, but when you do, those are the guys that are like running through fences, just like 
like beanbag shotguns, boom, they're like, they're laughing at them. And I've seen that, you know, time and time again, like I said, Hollywood was a big place for drugs. So we had a lot of, a lot of crime down there and it wasn't like, you know, maybe California where everyone's doing cocaine, right? It's like, it wasn't, it was like the dirty stuff, the, <laughs> stuff, the you know, crack, there was a lot of crack in Hollywood, like just people smoking with their crack pipes, like dir- the dirty shit, you know? And then the pill mills. Oh yeah. And then the pill mills. So yeah, I, you had to be a tough cop to work in Hollywood. Like their training was kind of like the military, you know, that you had like six months of training where they hazed you. They told you they wanted to fuck your wife, your girlfriend, your piece of shit. They put you through training. They made you carry logs. You had to fight. You had to fight each other. They want to get you to quit. They didn't want you to, because they didn't want someone as their backup that wasn't going to be able to protect their back properly. Right. And, and it wasn't, you would never see a fat cop at Hollywood. Like never. Like you literally had physical fitness requirements, like where you're seeing that nowadays in some departments. And like that's why when I got out of it at the five years mark, because, you know, they weren't really handling the, the budget well. And, you know, they froze our raises and then ruined the pension. That's why I ended up leaving. I went to another police department local here by where I'm out in Melbourne. And, you know, it was just sad, like just cops with their stomachs on a steering wheel. We're on a traffic stop and they take five minutes to get out. And I'm already out with my gun as, you know, because I was a cop doing a ride along. And I'm like, what is this? And then we go and we do building clearing and like I building clear, even if it's an alarm, like there's a, there's a person there with a gun. So I'm clearing my, you know, my levels with my gun out and this person's just do, do, do flashlights, not out, just like running through here. I'm like, nope, I'm not risking my life working with people that aren't trained that don't take this seriously. Cause where I trained, it was a military outfit. If a Hollywood cop came to save you, like you're getting saved. Like people didn't want to mess with Hollywood cops. Like they would ask through if they were, were looking to go because they knew that we were going to cause some damage to you. So what what convinced you or what made you think that was a great idea to, to get it? This sounds awful. There's <laughs> zero chance I would sign up for that. Yeah, I mean, you know, after being offered to run the construction business, you know, in Melbourne, Florida here, it's a beautiful place to live, right? It's a beautiful place to raise a family. But when you're 18, 19 years old, you know, it's not really a great place for women. There's no culture here. You know, it's a small town. So, you know, I kind of wanted to get out of here and not meet everybody out that I went to high school with, you know. So uh, number one, I wanted to get out of here and go to a place that was a little bit busier. Number two is I've always been the type of person that was big into leadership, protecting people. You know, I was always the friend that like didn't drink and drive. Like I watched them. If there was a fight, I'd take over the fight and I would make sure I handled it. You know, I always wanted to make sure I was the oldest brother in my family. I always wanted to make sure that I could protect people. And, you know, my cousin was going to school for uh, law enforcement and he said, dude, you should go and become a cop in like South Florida. They're going to, they're going to pay you full time in the police academy. You don't even have to pay for it. And uh, you get to drive a car as fast as you want. You get to carry a gun and a cool tool belt. You know, it's a good life experience. So I was like, fuck it. Like, let's, Sounds good. Let's do it. Let's, let's do it. Wow. What was going through your mind when you had that gun pulled on the guy that had his hand on it? That had to be, I mean, God, heaven forbid that happened now because Lord have mercy, it'd be a whole different set of issues. Can you, I can't imagine what was going through your head at that time. Like, yeah, how did you, yeah, I guess, how did you not shoot the guy? This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, House Call Pro is your all-in-one business solution. 
Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Well, first of all, he was probably 18, 19 years old. You know, so I knew he had a lot of life ahead of him. And I know people make mistakes. You know, I dealt with a lot of people with a lot of problems, you know, and at the end of the day, a lot of cops don't have empathy for people, right? Like you go to that job, they put a shield on, they're like, yep, I'm at work. Fuck you. I wasn't like that. You're a human fucking being. If I pull you over and you're rushing to work because you're a doctor and you got to go to an emergency, I'm not writing a fucking ticket. I'm not doing that. If I pull you over and you have a little bit weed weed on you or something, I'm like, throw that in the fucking grass and say, hey, stop doing this shit. You know? Yeah. They're human beings that I'm dealing with, right? So I think that's what makes a great cop. And I don't think there's enough training around leadership and, and empathy and understanding people and not just judging it. Because if you're in fear mode 24-7 as a cop, you're going to fuck some people up because you got a lot of tools on your tool belt that you can really take. I mean, you could literally fucking handcuff someone, take them to jail and ruin their whole fucking life. So I took that seriously. I don't think people take it seriously enough. So when I was, you know, holding that, you know, my gun at that person's head as they're trying to pull away from me and he's saying, shoot me, I realized he must have something going on to where he wanted to die himself. I don't think he wanted to kill people or kill cops. I think he just wanted to do whatever he could to die. And a lot of people will do that. They'll try to get sure. And I also peripheral vision, see little kids on the side watching this shit happen, like within fucking eight feet of me. If I blew this kid's brains out, they get to see that all and they're fucking traumatized by that. So I just made sure it took whatever it fucking needed to take for me to subdue this guy and i just made that decision that split second decision to holster my gun and just say we're going to do this the old school way and uh, i think that's what you do as a cop is you put your life on the line and you gotta you gotta be able to risk yourself for other people and if you're not ready to do that you're not gonna be a good fucking cop i said to myself i'm gonna risk my life so i don't have to shoot this person in the head in front of these fucking kids and kill this person i'm gonna do whatever it takes to subdue this person so they have another chance I had to be strong to make that fucking happen. You know what? If I died in the in that process, I chose to become a cop. So that was a risk that I agreed to make when I became a cop. That's on me. If I died, wasn't my life wasted. I chose to make that agreement. That makes sense. I mean, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, that it says a lot. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and I said, you know, if I if I were a cop, I would probably be real tempting. To be, you know, you find, you know, $30,000 on a drug dealer. I can imagine how tempting that would be to just say, well, I'm just going to shove that in, under the seat or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, I would imagine that temptation is pretty strong when you come across it. Maybe not for you, but I would imagine the cops don't get paid shit. I think it's crazy to me how little cops get paid as much. I just think it's crazy. I agree. Yeah, I mean. There's definitely situations. I mean, you got so much power, right? I mean, you could literally take someone's livelihood away from them, arrest them, you know, right? Like you can, you have guns, like you, you have so much power. It's easy to, uh, you know, overuse that power. But you know what? There's consequences just like there is for regular people. Like IA, internal affairs, they don't fuck around. Like they will fucking gut you. They will, they will make sure you go to jail even longer than a regular person because you sign the oath to have this responsibility. So the state attorney's office, they love going after cops. They're not on your side. They love it. They like, it makes them happy that they go, get to go after you. So, you know, I think everybody knew that at my department, because actually right before I got hired, there was a big sting that went through where these cops at Hollywood actually were uh, driving these, because you can do off-duty detail where you like protect security, protect, like I, I did, sure. I do, like they're off-duty, like 
we would do of shopping malls or something. They wanted security, but they wanted a cop, you know, because we had dispatch. They were doing an off-duty detail where they were helping these moving trucks that were full of drugs and they were helping them move them through Hollywood. So that had just, the FBI had just arrested them and they were screwed. So that just happened probably a year before I got hired. They actually thought I was an FBI plant when I got hired. They were trying to make sure I wasn't an FBI plant because my uncle was an FBI agent. And, uh, you know, they were worried that was still going on. But, um, no, everyone at Hollywood was shook from that incident. So nothing like that was happening where we were at. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I never really thought about the power. I really, I, you know, I've been arrested. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I never really thought about from the from that perspective that you just gave. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. I know we kind of got off the beaten path a little bit. All right. So let, let's go. I want you to talk about, you know, look, I've worked with family businesses. I've worked with father and son. I've worked with brother. And I can't think of a great situation that, you know, I can't think of a, a situation that I've been in where everybody got along. Everything was great. They were making a bunch of money. You know, I, I just can't. Can you dive into that just a little bit? The conflict of, you know, maybe between you and your dad or brother or cousin or whoever, or maybe all four. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I also don't know too many people that run successful businesses. You know, the, the dynamic is really has to be the perfect dynamic for that to ever work with family. And um, like I said, definitely never 50 50. That's just kind of be a dumpster fire. But um, you know, with my dad, most family businesses, the dad starts the business, right? He's done it for 20, 30 years. The new young buck son takes it over and following dad's footsteps, but wants to do it a new different way, right? New perspective. That's the classic, you know, line. That's not what I did. I started this thing by myself and I brought him into the business and I came from the HVAC side. I was a service tech uh, for several years and, uh, you know, he didn't have the HVAC experience. I was a license holder, you know, he was basically working for me, even though we were 50, 50, so it was definitely an interesting dynamic because uh, people see, you know, father, son, they think it's the dad, right? He looks older, right? They're like, oh, he must be in charge. And I didn't need that, right? I need that satisfaction. Even today, I don't walk around like I'm the boss. Like I ever went on a job, just check in, I'm a tech, right? Like I don't need that satisfaction of I'm the boss. So I let him take that, right? And people would be like, oh, you did a great job in the company. They'd always be talking to him. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. Like, I'm glad he's finally getting some kudos. But um, what I notice is that a lot of parents aren't used to having adult children, they don't know how to deal with adult children, right? It's a hard dynamic. It's like you taught this person everything they needed to do until they become an adult. How do I interact with this fucking person now? Especially now that you got to work with them. So right. especially now that they're the license holder, they could technically be your boss. So it was a real hard dynamic for him because the reason my dad owned his business for 30 something years is because he didn't want to work for nobody. He was the lion. He was, he always had to be the one on top to make all the decisions. So now, you know, he was pretty much handicapped if I wasn't there. He can only do the work, right? He was just good at the job. He didn't know how to manage. He didn't know how to plan. He wasn't a business owner. He didn't know KPIs. So it was real difficult for him. He kind of hid from it. He let me do it all, right? So I was working 80 hours a week, you know, making contracts, uniforms, branding, marketing, right? Like getting us aligned with customers. So we had accounts set up that were reoccurring. So, you know, so his defense mechanism to that was to hide, right? Like, like it wasn't going on to just focus on what he was focusing on was the work. Right. And uh, so I, I think I made sure I brought that to him, to the table, to him. I'm like, Hey, like this isn't what an owner needs to be doing. Like these are all the owner tasks. What are you going to be doing out of those tasks? I need you to at least do 50% if you're getting paid 50%. And when it came down to uh, him actually looking at what needed to be done 
And just like, for example, like QuickBooks invoicing, you know, he'd sit down, he'd try one invoice and he'd say, fuck this. There's got to be an easier way. I don't want to do this. And then I would say, okay, well, that's an owner task. So why, why don't we change the structure to where you're 49 on 51 so I can start moving some of this shit forward and start hiring some people. And that's where it came down to him not wanting to hire anybody, only trusting family, not wanting to come outside that scope. And at that point, I wasn't ever going to be able to have the business that I wanted to where, um, you know, it was worth something. It ran by itself. There was processes in place. And so that's really one of the bigger determining factors of why I'm like, listen, I can't be partnered with someone that's that far from the vision that I have. Yeah. It's like I hear owners still this day, people that absolutely should know better that are still using paper. And I'm like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Like, what are you fucking doing? Like they don't, they can't, they cannot, they can't see it. They just, they don't want to see it, but they, it is do, super smart people, really yep. smart people, but they just, their mindset is stuck at a certain level that I don't know that they'll ever get past it. And it sounds like that's a lot what you were dealing with. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So what was the breaking point? Where what was the point where you said, All right, fuck this. I, I gotta I, I've got to do something different and I gotta figure out what that is. So definitely the, the breaking point was so I had my first daughter, uh, Sophie, and uh, she was born in uh 2016. And then my second daughter, Hazel, uh, was gonna be born in 2018, um, near the end of 2018, September. As I said, I got rid of everything in 2019, January. So for, by, by this time, my wife with the first baby had no help, right? Like I was working 80, 100 hour weeks. Like she just did it all, just handled it all. And I uh, said, this time's gonna be different. I'm gonna at least take a couple, few weeks off for right. help, you know, because we got another kid now too. We're having another baby. So I said, I just need a few weeks to help her out. And I uh, said, you know, what we're gonna need to do is hire an office manager because all this shit I do, you can't do. You don't wanna do it. You told me you don't wanna do it. So we need an office manager. So I listed the position on Indeed. I got a interviewed 15 of them. He wanted nothing to fucking do with it. So I was like, whatever, I'll do all the work. Found someone really good. I think they wanted to make like 40 grand a year. Like nothing huge for a fucking office manager. And um, sure. nope, I ain't doing that. And I said, okay, well, what's your plan when I'm going to be gone for these, right. four days, for, for these four weeks? Like, what's your fucking plan? Oh, I'll just have your mom do it all. And I'm like, really? I was like, okay, send her over. So I start showing her some of the base level tasks. Funny enough, same shit happens. So I don't, Derek, this is too much. I don't have an experience in office management. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. I'm like, no shit. This is why I'm trying to hire somebody. So then they're like, you know, hey, well, we're, we're only willing to pay someone 12 bucks an hour. I'm like, $12 an hour for fucking someone that's an office manager? That's someone that works at McDonald's. You're fucking crazy. I said, I got someone great. I'm ready to hire her. I've already went through all the fucking candidates. And I said, we're either doing this or there's going to be a problem. And they said, yeah, we're not fucking doing this. And that's where it came to that point of like, all right, I went into business with my dad, which a lot of people do, is we want to help our families, right? We, I wanted to help my dad retire. He's been in the construction business, working his ass off his whole life. And he he able to plan his retirement, right? So I said, I'm going to bring him into the business, not because I need him. I didn't need him. I could run this by myself. I don't, you know, I have been since we we stopped. I did this to help him retire. And what I realized is I was putting my father before I was putting my own family, my, my wife and my kids. 
And I think everyone thinks you can always make everybody happy. Well, you fucking can't. The day you realize you can't make everyone happy, the day you fucking start becoming yourself and you start becoming a lot happier. So if I'm putting my dad first, that's fucking wrong. And I started putting my wife and my kids first. And I said, well, I'm not doing this to my wife and this is to be done. And if that's not the case, then I'm done. And that's when I called him up and I do uh, meet me at the office and uh, it uh, hurt ways. How hard was that? That was definitely a very difficult time. Um, that we, back then we had a very small office and a square box of an office. And, you know, we sat down and um, expecting it because I've always fought for it time and time again. And um, it was definitely a, a hard emotional thing for him because I've always been there for them no matter what. Um, um, but I had dealt with the pain of what my wife and kids had to deal with for so many years that I knew what I was doing, you know, was meant to happen. So even though he was in pain and it was a difficult situation for him, I knew it was going to be better for him in the long run, because guess what? He could go start his own company and run it exactly like he wanted to with no and wraps, right? Cash only. And, you know, he didn't even need me. Right. So like running the business that I wanted to run and he was, so we were fighting each other constantly. So it's just like the second someone had the balls to like say, no, this, this is not working like that. And then I let him succeed in what he wanted and I could succeed in what I wanted. So everyone looked at this like, oh, that happened to your dad. That's terrible. Oh, my goodness. That's the worst thing. No, it wasn't. It was fucking better for both of us. You're probably less stressed. Yeah, we're both happier. <laughs> right. Best. Yeah. So I started over in 2019. Now, did your brother, he decided to do what you're really used to, because I think you mentioned your brother and cousin. I, I think you yeah. did, or maybe that was yeah, a previous so, conversation. So my brother um, has an opportunity because he worked under me and my dad, and he always kind of felt like uh, the other wanted to kind of have some ownership, you know? And um, so he uh, started with my dad. Uh, and that split happened. He saw the opportunity to become management, right? He wanted to be an owner, right? People think they want to be an owner until they become an owner, right? That's, that's like, yeah, right. An owner, wear the special shirt, like, oh, get ready. So um, to that role, uh, my cousin, who, uh, you know, really doing installs for us, um, he, the second that I was out of the business, he fucking quit and ran for the hills because, you know, my dad's that old school contractor that, you know, when something goes wrong, he's throwing fucking hammers. He's punching holes through walls. He's saying, get the fuck over here and fix this. And um, he, my cousin couldn't deal with that without me as a buffer. Like I was the buffer where I could speak to you like an adult, like a human being and explain to you what I'm looking for out of this situation. And my dad's not like that. So my cousin, the second I was gone, he puts in his notice and he quits. Um, funny enough, my dad and brother are still doing it today he's got his own hvac business here local um same thing with the white trucks right like small jobs they do everything themselves they have no employees but my dad's you know 70 years old working in 150 degree attics you know working outside my brother hates being an owner like he doesn't want to do it he's he's getting his degree in uh, or, uh security so uh, it's like they're just living through the motions man there's no planning there's no thought behind this and um event catches up with you you know i don't believe in working hard i believe in working smart working hard is is amazing i love people that do that but if you just work yourself to death what's the fucking point yeah dude look at steve jobs i mean he's a perfect example right he was you know died early of cancer and you know i think one of the last things he says he just wished he would have done things differently i don't remember specifically what he said but essentially that's what it was yep so I'm not up 
a lot of times uh, in that same spot where it's just you grind to make money and and at the day, like you miss vacations, you miss all kinds of shit for the sake of the business, right? Yep. And, uh, you know, up to the point where I, I, I don't know, uh, you know, I'm again up to the point where I've regretted a lot of that, but I know that it, I know that if, if I keep doing the things that I, you know, if I keep doing that, eventually that's what's going to happen. You know, it, and is it really worth that? I, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not there yet. Uh, but my, based on most people that have gotten there, it's not worth it. Right. So you started over 2019 and then, so where are you, you know, basically damn probably ne- almost negative because you had to pay out money and didn't you have to take out a loan and all yeah, that? Yeah, shit we go. Get- so we didn't really have sh- anything of a business, right? We had no maintenance plans. Uh, our was 300 grand, you know, that, that year, um, our business not looking on the books, right? You know, like, you know how this in your small business and you try to make your financial report look like you did negative so that you don't have to pay any taxes. <laughs> Right. Like when your company's not worth shit, it's like, you right. know, promise I got 500 grand in cash. Well, it's not on the profit and loss sheet. Well, it's there. I, it's like, no, believes that. So the business wasn't worth anything. Um, couple vehicles. Uh, we had $10,000 in permit debt because my dad didn't want to fucking close permits because he hated the government. So uh, lost all the employees. Um, I had $10,000 in permit debt. And the one new vehicle we had, we had one high top Nissan. I gave it to him because I said it was my dad and I wanted to help him out. So um, I gave him that vehicle. I was left with some shitty like 2001 van with like 300,000 miles on it, 10,000 per- permit debt and no employees. So I restarted it truly, if not from scratch, lower than scratch, because, you know, I had, like I said, that permit debt. And, you know, it's funny that office manager that I had interviewed that I liked after we went through all the bullshit and, you know, we closed everything out and we signed all the papers. I hired her. And, you know, I didn't know if she was going to come back because she knew what was going on when I was trying to interview and all that. But she's still here with me to this day for no five kidding. years. She's still here. She's been here for five years. She was my first employee from when I restructured everything. And it's funny. She tells that story, too, to a lot of our employees here. So it's, it's like a redemption story there. But but yeah. All right. So 2023, you had you didn't have shit in 2019. Where are you at today? So today we've got about, I think, 25 employees and we are budgeted to do 6.5 million in revenue. You know, our profit is trending and net profit around 10%, you know, because we're working on growth, right? We've been doubling every year. Like that's keeping profitability with growth, right? You know, when you're growing your company, you know, profitability gets affected, right? You know, you put a little bit more into branding. So we've been HVAC only residential since then. I've been watching the trends of how much it helps to be a multi-trade company. So I just got my, took my trade test in plumbing and I'm getting my plumber's contractor's license. So that's going through. I should have that in the next couple of weeks. So we've already done the rebranding for Climate Experts Air Plumbing. Um, and I'm going to be getting electric as well. And uh, we actually just got into three Home Depot stores, which I know there's a love-hate relationships for some people with Home Depot, but you know they're not going to be the majority of our business. But it's just a strategy to uh, keep moving forward with the way that the economy is going. Like I I don't buy into the news and all the bullshit and I don't let them, I don't let any of that information affect my fucking day, right? Like I'm going to make my own opportunities, whatever the fuck the conditions are out there, I'm going to work with them, whatever, with whatever they are, you know, with how everything's been trending with people spending money. And I've just been like, all right, that's a strategy I need to figure out. So boom, Home Depot. So, okay. We need to get more doors and stay in more doors, doors, plumbing, boom, 
you know, we've been doubling our growth since 2019 in revenue and profitability and employees. We still continue to plan on doing that no matter what the fucking economy does. All right. So I do want you to dive into the, so doing this with Home Depot. Really, it's, it's, it's eyeballs, right? It's almost a market marketing experience. Exactly right? what it is. You nailed it. Yeah. But see, that makes complete sense to me. We're using their marketing dollars for us, right? That's all we're doing because they spend so much on marketing, right? They're on national TV. Everyone's spending money on billboards and all these things. Yeah, that's a good investment. You might get a return on your investment, but I'd rather, you know, do it through Home Depot. Let them do all the marketing and I'm going to get the customers from that. And sure, Home Depot takes a percentage off of all your deals, but mark your fucking price up. It's the same as a <laughs> customer. Mark that's your price right. up. So I, and that's, I think what happens with a lot of business owners is we kind of get, and then we're in the you know, United States of America. Everyone's, you know, do it yourself, fix it yourself, entrepreneurship. Like, like it's hard for Americans kind of like co-op type shit, right? We're like, fuck you. We're going to beat you, right? We're competitive. We're like, you can beat everybody, right? So that's something that I had to learn. You know, relationships are really important. Knowing the right people is huge. You know, as I started learning that, as I started growing, I'm like, you know what? I need to learn to utilize these resources to my advantage. So Home Depot is a resource. I need to use this to my advantage, you know? And I I truly did learn that through Nexstar, being a part of that group of contractors. You know, there's a thousand HVAC plumbing electrical contractors. It's an amazing group. I go to these big events with them. I meet hundreds of contractors. And you know what? They're all willing to give you free fucking information. And I visited shops. Like I visited uh, Sky Heating and Plumbing in uh, Oregon. Travis is the owner there and they're like a $25 million shop. And I mean, he showed me his whole organization. I ran with his people and I learned so much from that. I visited shops in Orlando, Coral Springs. The whole reason I got into the Home Depots is for a contractor, Greg, that owns uh, Art Plumbing in Coral Springs. And uh, he was a Home Depot contractor and he just gave me the right person's name. And I worked my way into that Home Depot for the past year and a half. And it's about relationships, man. And I think that's what a lot of contractors you know, or business owners, I feel like they fail because they just try to do it themselves and compete. And it's like, dude, no, learn to make a relationship. I'll refer shit to other HVAC contractors and they'll refer shit to me. It's weird. My, my employees are like, what? We're going to refer commercial work to them and they're going to refer us residential. Shouldn't we just try to start a commercial division? Like, no, I don't fucking want to be a commercial. Right. Company. Like, I don't want right. to. Dude, strategic partnerships. Look, nobody builds anything by themselves. You don't see anybody that's done anything in life. You don't see Ken Goodrich saying, oh, yeah, I'm the only one that built this business, right? You don't, that's just not how it works. You have to have partnerships. You have to have strategic partnerships. It's just like, you know, I've just partnered up with a, a guy that does, he's arguably the number one guy in, was in Australia that does drains, right? I don't know that much about drains, but I think it's really interesting that he knows everything about drains. And anyway, it, it, it just makes sense. It just makes sense, period. Anyhow, yeah, dude, if people could open their minds, and I'll tell you, you know, even if somebody were to come to visit your shop, first off, it depends how that conversation went. But secondly, most people aren't going to do a damn thing with that information whenever they leave. It's like these events people go to. They take a bunch of notes, they're all in, and they don't do jack shit with it. Right. So that's why people don't mind giving you the information because most likely you're not going to do shit with it anyway. You you're just right. happen to be one of those 5% that did. You're 100% right. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. You know, I've been to a lot of events too. I mean, I try to go to four to six a year, you know, just, and you know what? My goal at those events isn't to completely change my business or become these fucking people. My goal is just to take one fucking thing away. I just want to learn 
one thing, you know, if I can learn one thing and then I can prove one thing, one thing and like actually keep that going, like you said, like long term, then I feel like that I want. I'm not trying to become their businesses because it's fake. The, and, it, and you said one side of it where they don't do shit. They're like, they're writing down the notes. They're like, yeah, yeah. we're going to do all this shit. They come in, one bad thing happens. They're like, well, fuck it. I forgot it all. And that's one trajectory. Another one's that they try to copy what another company does to a T where they try to be that exact other company. And it's like, dude, you're not even that. You're not that stuff. And I think that's really important with companies. I'd say one of the most important things that I learned is you got to know who you are, right? As a person and as a company, because if you don't know what your morals are, you're going to do some fucked up shit. You're going to do the type of shit that you know, like that you see out there in the world and you're like, how did this person do this fucking thing? Cause they don't know who the fuck they are really. And you got to know what your core principles are, what your guiding, uh, what your core values are, what your guiding principles are, what your mission statement is and your vision. Who are you? What does the employee of climate experts, who, who are they? Who should they be? What traits should they have? What's the mission of what we are trying to accomplish here? And where the fuck are we going? If you don't know that stuff, if you don't have that stuff written down, if all of your employees don't know what it is, then you're going to have people that are cowboys doing their own fucking thing. And then when you just try to change, make a bunch of changes and become somebody else, it's fake. You're going to feel fake yeah. as shit. That's right. It's like, you know, it's like when people, it's like when people say, well, you know, I, I've heard this countless times. Well, how did you come up with your pricing? Well, so-and-so down the street is charging this. And I'm like, do you know how much money they started with? Do you have any freaking idea, anything about them other than that's what they're charging? You don't know their processes. You don't know, you don't know shit. But yet you're basing your pricing on their pricing. You can't wonder why you're failing. That's why you're failing. Yeah, you nailed that. Context. You nailed that. I mean, you don't know what you don't know what their overhead is. They might not pay benefits. It's like Pricing is a strategic, you know, calculation you do based on your overhead, right? You base it on your overhead, you base it on, you know, what your margins are going to be on your gross margins, you know, and you figure out what your gross is going to be, what your marketing, like that's based yeah. on your stats. If you price based on somebody else and like, they've got a completely different business and expenses, like you'll go out of business even with the same price as them. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, just think about this. Like there are manufacturers that give special rebates to certain people and on, depending on how much you buy or whatever the case may be, that one thing could determine, you know, whether that one thing could be the difference in your price and their price. And, and that could sink you one little thing. It's insane to me. Yeah. But people don't know any better. And it's not, you know, I don't think people are stupid. I just don't, they just don't know. They just yeah. don't know what they don't know. And there's a lot of people that never get it. Well, that that's where the best practices groups come into play. And like I said, I mean, there's different ones out there, but like, that's why I like Nexstar because, you know, Nexstar is a member owned organization. So there's no one making a killing off this, right? The money sure. stays with Nexstar. So there's no CEO that makes a ton of money off of Nexstar, right? They're all elected officials that are running Nexstar. So what I like, it's a system built for contractors where you can figure out your pricing with their little calculation tool and you can actually have it be accurate, right? You could do a business planning workshop for the whole fucking year and you know exactly how many leads you need. You know exactly how much you need to spend on marketing. You know exactly how many calls you need, right? What does your conversion rate need to be? Like, it's a pre-built fucking system, right? Like, you can either try to learn this the hard way and fucking just like do it with paper and pen, right? Or you can kind of look for resources that already exist and just like start utilizing them right away. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, and, and I'm sure a lot of contractors are like, well, I'm not paying that fucking organization to to tell me how to run my business. Like, I'm not giving them a bunch of money so they can get rich and fat boy, and happy. And it's boy, like I don't pay shit. I don't pay a dollar. Let me tell you how. So their dues, 
they're set up with strategic partners to where you get rebates back. So every dollar that I buy with Goodman, every dollar that I buy with Ream, every dollar that I buy with Service Titan, I get 5% back. I fucking make money being a Nextstar member. I pay $0. I actually make money off of it because of the rebate program. So like I hear people say, well, I've heard Nextstar your first year, it's 30 grand for the year. If you buy enough equipment, you get enough rebates, it costs you nothing. Like right. they're strategic partners. So it's, I hate when people are just like, well, I heard this. Like, Dude, do some investigation. Stop believing the news and everything you fucking hear. You're letting those people run your fucking life, dude. Like, time and time again, I hear these people. Well, I heard this. I heard Nextstar is this much money. Dude, explore it yourself, right? Pick up the phone and call them. Right? Yeah, I heard carrier shitty equipment. I heard this. Like, dude, every situation is different. The carrier in fucking Minnesota could be terrible. And the carrier here in Florida case, you have no fucking idea. Explore it on your own. Stop believing everything you hear. That's right. People are lazy. They just don't want to do it. They don't want to do the work. But that's when you pay the price. You know, that's when you pay the price. Well, Derek, dude, this has been, dude, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Like, I, I, I think your story is just tremendous. And I think for people listening, it's in, so important because so many guys were where you were with your, you know, with your dad. And, and a lot of those guys don't ever get out for whatever reason. And so hopefully some younger people hear this and think twice about doing that because most likely it's not going to turn out well. I, I would recommend to anybody that's in a family business that is considering leaving, right? It's an unhealthy, toxic environment or there's some unhealthy control things happening. You know, I'd highly recommend to look at it like as if it's a regular job, right? Would you work for that boss if that wasn't your dad, right? Would you work at that company if it wasn't a family company? Just take the family equation out of it. Because I've learned family isn't just blood, right? Some people that are friends are better family members than the actual blood. So I recommend look at that business that you're in with that family member and tell yourself, would I put myself in this situation any longer if this person wasn't family? And if the answer is no, figure out how to screw that other person over. It doesn't have to be the most negative thing in the world, but figure out a way to get out of that. And there's a way that both of you can, can win at the end, right? It doesn't have to be like, hey, fuck them. I'm going to write them off. Because like my session today, um, much better than it was before um, because I made the hard decision to... Uh, and both of you are happy, right? You're still both doing the same shit you were doing back then, except for it's just in two separate places. That's it. I'm I'm the business that I want. He has the business that he wants. We don't have to talk about business when we see each other. Now they get to just enjoy the fucking kids, right? We've learned. We just don't talk about it, right? Like I'll refer some shit to him. He'll refer some shit to me. Like we just, we've learned that like, just both two alpha to work fucking together. And that's fine. Like that's like how their manager that you just don't mesh with. It's not, doesn't have to be personal. Like it's also because you guys are already family, like right. out of that fucking equation. <laughs> that's right. Well, Dan, where can people find you? Um, I'm not a big social media guy. Um, I, I look, you know, they could find me on Facebook. Um, uh, what's that? Our, our, uh, I'd honestly recommend following our social media page, um, climate experts, um, dot com backslash climate experts, AC. Um, we put really good content on there. Um, house that manages it. Um, if you ever want to, she kills it on social media, dude. Most social media companies are putting like pictures of puppies and fucking like bullshit like, <laughs> stock photos. Like her shit's good. It's real photos. Um, it's great content. I think she does a really good job. So, you know, if you're ever curious or checking somebody else, you know, out on social media on HVAC, um, experts AC on Facebook.
All right, and then website real quick. I guess climateexperts.com. Yeah, website's climateexpertsac.com. Climateexpertsac.com is our website. Um, so I'm, I'm not really super cr- big on social media, but um, if anyone ever wants to reach out to me, like I said, um, Corey, he'll, he'll, he'll up with uh, contact. Like I said, I don't like to put myself out there too much. Um, joining uh, next, I'm already a member and, um, you know, uh, collaborate on some ideas, you know, but I'm always willing to mentor a business that needs help. So, I mean, if you're through it and you need some ideas and need some help, you know, like I said, uh, you know, you can reach out to Corey and I, I'm sure he can message me and I'll give you my cell phone number and I don't mind having a chat. Awesome, dude. I appreciate that. Dude, that was great. Man, I like, you know, I and I, I don't just say this, like I really thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Like, you know, I don't know what you never know what you're gonna get whenever I bring people on that I don't fucking yeah. know. You just never know. So I do. Oh, yeah, you're minutes. right. Yeah, you're like, hey, who's had a fucking problem? People are probably mm-hmm. going going off the rails, right? Like you're probably they're probably going for topic up here, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you're on the fucking they're they're zooming on their fucking cell phone and they're in their warehouse. And I'm like, God damn, dude. Yeah, no, yeah. no. I I've uh, I watched some of your podcast stuff. I think you do a great job. But um, but Thanks. no, I mean, what you're doing is um seeing some of your posts where you know you're being vulnerable. Um, the uh, strengths it's it's more meaningful, right? You're gonna get more real interactions through that because you're gonna build relationships and you don't have to be so salesy if you know people just go with you typically because they like you and they know you. So I think what you're doing is good. I'm just figuring out who that person is. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I've, you know, I, I haven't had a drink in almost 10 years, uh, but I just stopped smoking weed in November. Not yeah. November. That was a lie. March. Um, I'm yeah. in November. Yeah. But, you know, it just, you know, and I have nothing, no problem with people smoking weed. And I really didn't think it was an issue for me, but spiritually, it just disconnected me. And so I'm really just figuring out, like, you know, I really don't have to fucking be anybody but me. Yep. It's oh, a yeah. weird thing. You know, it's really, really, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that a guy reached out to me, um, company actually, are did you, did we interact with HVAC masters of the hustle? Is that where you saw this? No, it was, uh, it was the profit rocket group, Victor's group. Okay. Well, you know, Jason though, right? Or, yeah, you know, yeah. Okay. So he just started an HVAC company in California, right? Did you know that? No. Which one did he start? Well, he started. Let me back up. So he and him and uh, do you know who Holly is or uh, Weld Long? You yeah, I know Weldon. yeah, I know Weldon Long. Yeah. Okay. So the bald, the Jay- bald guy, yeah, bald guy's been in the industry for a while. It's a good sales. That's guy. right. Yeah, exactly. And so he he said partnered up with a guy in California and and, and joined his organization and they're uh, three partners now. Well, that guy. You know, I don't fucking pay attention sometimes. I mean, I knew that they did that, but I didn't pay attention to the company. I didn't. Yeah. So this guy out on here, he had made a comment and actually DM me about that that very you're talking about. And I said, well, we'll schedule a call. I, I had no idea who he was, but I'm open to talk to whoever. And he said, well, you probably recognize the logo. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't really. He was like, well, Jason Walker and I and just partnered up that I brought them into my company da, da, da. And it was just fascinating and I've built such a good relationship with this guy he was like I he was like I want I, I've been wanting to find somebody to do something with that like for men like to talk about the shit you talked about in your post because most people don't talk about that True. and so I'm gonna start a podcast with this damn guy I think that's a good idea 
I think so too. I think so too. I think it's Um, definitely needed. Um, Especially contractors, dude. Those are the fucking toughest guys out there and like the hardest fucking shell. So if you can talk about that shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I don't people you've told this story to. You may have told parts of it. But I don't know. Have you gone into this much detail with people? Um, yeah. So you're holding anything back. It's just, you know, just don't everybody want everybody to know the, your whole fucking business. But when you're in a, an environment like this, it's a little bit easier, I think, to have that conversation. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean. I think this is definitely a nicer environment too, because it doesn't feel like, you know, um, going to judge you, you know, and I think you, I think set up the questions well too, you know, like, you know, I think, um, sometimes podcasts, you know, the person that's presenting will talk too much about your story, which is going to alter what the person that you're interviewing is going to say or how they're going to feel. So I think you did a good job at, um, given some insight on like your perspective, but not going crazy into it, because I think that's another reason why people might not share stuff because they're getting engaged that you might judge them. So yeah. too much about you. And then they're like, all right, maybe I'm not going to share this part of it. So that's probably part of why, you know, I was able to tell a decent amount of the story to you. Good. It means I did my job. Well, my man, I know we, I don't even know what time it is. Jesus, uh, I appreciate well, you speaking. It's been a little bit extra time, but us just knocking this thing out. Um, but when it comes out, and I only have one ask if you'll go on and do a review on my, on Apple or whatever the fuck you listen to, that'd yeah, be super podcast, beneficial. Yeah. yeah. I'll do it for sure. Yeah. No, I'll definitely, I'll have a couple people leave some reviews on there. Dude, that'd be great. That'd be yeah, really I'll, cool. I'll try to get you like five or 10. Dude, that'd be great. Yes, sir. But I, I yeah. appreciate it. Um, yeah, I appreciate it as well. If you need anything, hey, whenever you start your drain stuff, reach out to me because I that guy I was telling you about he like he, about next star shortcutting things. This could be a shortcut for you in a heartbeat. And like most people don't do well with drains. Right. Uh they just don't really make a lot of money. In fact, most of them don't make money at it. But he's got a process that any you know, like anyhow, it'd be worth you having a conversation with him. Appreciate it. You got it, dude. All right. Cool. Anything, just reach out. All right, brother. All right, thanks a lot. Talk thanks, later. Derek. See you, man. Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.